Hi, I'm Natalia, and you're listening to Advanced Copy, a podcast for independent thinkers in fashion. Inspired by Mother Earth, Australian-born and US-based Belinda Smith saw a space in the fragrance market for a conscious, luxurious and long-wearing fragrance brand rooted in the art of nature. So in 2018, Belinda launched St. Rose and set out to steer the industry towards a transparent and gentler future. Working closely with environmentally aligned suppliers, the St. Rose fragrance is kind to your skin and the planet. Today, we speak to Belinda about the realities of crafting your own brand, her deeply ingrained commitment to ethical ingredients and sourcing, and why giving back and looking at things holistically is key to the sustainability conversation. Enjoy. So first of all, I'm really excited to welcome a perfume brand on advanced copy so that's a new thing and St. Rose is so in line with everything else which we talk about on the podcast just in terms of growing a courageous independent brand and having that conscious approach to the industry and finally on a personal level I'm just really excited to find out more about the world of fragrance. Thank you. What an honor to be the first one and we do say that you know fragrance is such a fashion adjacent category. Yes, definitely. And I think now we're so used to seeing beauty and cosmetics sit next to fashion and that be part of the exact same world. But for those who are not familiar with St. Rose, I've kind of pieced together a one-liner from your brand's Instagram and website just to introduce our listeners and readers to your work. So here we go. St. Rose is a conscious, unisex, luxury fragrance rooted in the art of nature. So I wanted to use this one-liner as a jumping-off point today and to ask you to expand on the premise of St. Rose, the symbolism and thinking behind the brand. Fun. I love it. Well, we're named for the patron saint of gardeners, and it was really uh, inspired to create in harmony with nature. Our fragrances are Average over 97% natural, naturally derived ingredients. And we are really conscious. So, you know, intrinsic in the nature of fragrance is it's a slow art. And we definitely really slow things down just to be incredibly mindful about where we're harvesting our ingredients from uh, to create these really beautiful, sophisticated parfums that don't sacrifice the complexity or sophistication that people are used to in being able to make something that's very clean and also conscious, but also luxurious as well. That's some huge and very admirable goals there. I love it. And what about yourself? Who is Belinda Smith? Where are you from? And what did you actually do before starting St. Rose? So yeah, Bloom Smith, I moved um, to the U.S. when I was little, but originally I'm from Australia. Um, and I think that definitely gave me a unique perspective, kind of growing up between two, two worlds and two beautiful homes and countries that I both adore. 
I spent my career in fashion, in both the luxury and high street fashion space. So that gave me quite a keen insight into, you know, just the, the back ends and, and seeing so many gorgeous products come to life and hit the shelves. And I love the perspective of, of being both in the luxury world and then also, you know, high street or fast fashion and um, the beauties and the, the ugliness of both sides. And what about that moment when you decided to quit fashion? What was happening to make you pursue this new project to leave a stable income and position to pursue creating St. Rose, your own project? I think in your podcast, you also explain being an outsider in the perfume industry, right? I, I was feeling kind of burned out, to be honest. I had spent over a decade really chasing that corporate ladder and was feeling just really exhausted by the grind of it. I was lucky to be doing quite a lot of travel in my last position, working on an international team, taking a U.S. brand overseas. It was 2017 when I actually left the corporate world and I was about to get married and just thought, I never did that post-high school moment before you graduate university and just take time off and see the world. And I talked to my husband about it and I was like, you know, I've always had a side hustle of helping friends, family, and then that trickled out to their friends and family and their friends and family doing, you know, marketing and whether it was building a logo or a website or helping people with their social media strategy. So I was like, oh, you can have a little bit of a side hustle and just take a breath and corporate world will always be there for me if I want to come back. And I haven't had to go back. So it was a great leap. And I think for anybody that's listening that is having that kind of pull to totally listen to that intuition and give yourself that reset because it can be a really beautiful thing. And I was lucky that I did have my side hustle doing, you know, freelance to to have a soft landing. I wasn't, you know, completely out of out of work or didn't have money coming in, which definitely made it really palatable and and easy. But um, I'm very thankful for it because it gave me the breath I needed to see this opportunity and this white space in the market in, in fragrance, again, as a consumer, that I thought, hey, there's something here and give myself a little bit of a side project just for fun to pour my creative juices into suckling. I just started duckling and if I were to have a brand, what would it look like? And it's taken shape to here where I feel really lucky that um, other people have seen that there's suckling for them as well. And to your point, yeah, it's, it was a blessing to be an outsider because I just didn't know what I didn't know when it came to looking for all of these beautiful ingredients that we work with. Well, thank you for mentioning that and for encouraging people to explore, to maybe take that step back out of an industry career and follow their intuition. I really appreciate you saying that. I think it's important to advertise it, that People are doing this and that you can explore other avenues as well, that a corporate career is maybe not always the only way. And that's the kind of stories that we're trying to put out there with advanced copy. These real life examples that encourage more people to start independent brands or to buy into independent brands, also to kind of chip away at that corporate conglomerate sector a little bit. Absolutely. And you're right. I think people will champion it. You know, I'm so thankful that people championed me in St. Rose. And it was our community that we've grown that told me to keep doing this. I think if you're falling asleep and waking up dreaming about something, that's not what you're doing. You absolutely have to do it. And 
I um, was told something that really resonated with me that we all think, who am I to start a brand? There's so many fragrance brands, you know, I'll take me as my personal case in hand. You know, who am I to create one more product or one more brand? And the question back was, well, who are you not to? Because nobody has your unique perspective. And if you do feel like there's this intuition, it's actually your ego shutting it down. And so you're not being modest by saying no to that. You're actually being more egotistical. And I was like, wow, wait a second. That's crazy. So, you know, to always, to truly lead by your heart and not your ego is something that I kind of think about often and to make sure that you're not getting in your own way and that you really are showing up for whatever is speaking to you internally. That's a beautiful way of saying it. And it's not always easy because I think externally you're always told that you won't be good enough. I think especially coming from the world of fashion, I think if you have worked only in the industry for bigger companies, there's just not enough inspiration to make you believe that you can take a risk and start something on your own terms. So the prevailing thoughts are that you're probably not good enough or you don't have enough of a network, for example, or enough finance. So I'm really touched by your story of starting St. Rose in this more unconventional way, which takes us on to my next question. So how did your idea to create this clean perfume shape itself into a tangible company? as it seems like a really big step and a brave step away from your career in fashion? Honestly, I never really saw myself creating something, um, my own brand. I led creative marketing teams in my career and really loved the storytelling and the content development of just sharing the craft that goes into these beautiful products. And so to have one myself feels, feels very special. That's really exciting. It's been a lot of fun to also truly make it my own and what resonates with me. And that's basically how the St. Rose journey started was as a customer. And I wasn't able to find something that I was looking for, which was a clean and very openly transparent brand that was sharing specifically in the fragrance space where the ingredients were from and also what they were. And so that, out of that kind of frustration of finding myself at a dead end, I created what I wish it existed. And it started honestly very small. Actually, the very early days of St. Rose, I don't usually talk about this, but I was making things on my own in my kitchen just with essential oils. It was really rudimentary. And by oh, no means am I a perfumer. You know, now we work with these incredible artists that have been in their craft for 20, 30 years. And they're just truly some of the best perfumers in the world that we're really lucky to work with. Um, so I do laugh at the, at the early <laughs> um, kind of play that I, that I had in my kitchen. And it, I, again, I didn't expect it to really take off, but you know, friends and family loved it. And then that trickled out from there. And I actually got a purchase order from an amazing, very well-known wholesale doorway and turned it down because it wasn't the brand that I could see myself launching. And that kind of gave me that first push that there's something here, people are looking for it. And so I went back to the drawing board and we launched the, the current collection that you see online just in October, 2019. And I was also intrigued to learn more about the nitty gritty of research and preparation stages, that reality of having an amazing idea, and then the other reality of bringing the company and the actual product to life. 
So could you give us a little glimpse into how the production and marketing side of the brand looks like? And are you responsible for all of these different functions? Yes, I, I am. Um, it did start out as you know a one-man band, but it does take a village. So there's so many beautiful people as part of the St. Mary's family, and that's you know our fragrance house and our incredible manufacturers and you know those that are on the farms where we source these ingredients from, and they're all such an important part of the St. Rose family and also the journey. Definitely never have done it alone, and I'm so thankful for everybody that showed up to help launch this and to get us to this point and propelling us forward too. So yeah, so I had this idea, obviously, had realized in this kind of accidental beta test, really looking back at me dappling in my kitchen and creating these products that people were loving and then had even gotten a purchase order just because I was that mindset of still creating a beautiful product and using it as kind of my creative outlet. They'd found me on my Instagram that I'd started and then I thought, gosh, you know, if I were to do this, let's let's actually reset and think about what is the brand that I really want this to be. And so at that stage, I realized I don't <laughs> want to, you know, take the 20 plus years to launch this to become a master perfumer. So I need to reach out to the best of the best. A lot of things were happening in tandem, right? So I had reached out to my contacts and they put me in touch with our incredible fragrance house. And then I also was thinking about you know the products themselves and had always loved sandalwood. So I'll tell that story is just a beautiful example. I wanted sandalwood to obviously be in you know that kind of first signature product. It's a beautiful note that is in most perfumes actually and is is one of the most popular in the industry. Of course there's some very popular scents on the market that's kind of the dominant note, but it's oftentimes in fragrances just subtly in the background that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on it. It's such a lovely one to work with. So I knew that all the things that that pointed me into starting this brand needed to be first and foremost. And so I wanted to give people the transparency of our ingredients. And I also wanted to share the traceability. I started hunting, where are we going to source this gorgeous aromatic note to work with? And realized very quickly that although India is the main and has been the dominant supplier of sandalwood for the market, the sandalwood tree is actually endangered there because of just over harvesting and not having sound enough practices to be harvesting them in a way that we're also um, not, you know, just decimating (laughs) this crop. And so I quickly shifted gazes to see where else in the world you can find sandalwood from and came across Australia very quickly and was so proud as an Aussie that kind of speaks to my roots and the brand's roots, very much being inspired by Australia um, and being an Aussie. And so I was like, oh, that's so perfect if we're going to build the foundation there. And came across this gorgeous farm in Western Australia that is 50% Indigenous owned and started chatting with them and became really good friends of theirs. And they, in the end of 2019, were heading to New York to receive an incredible honor. They they won the United Nations Equator Awards uh, for just their environmental stewardship, which is incredible. That year, there was about 20 recipients. And this was the first year, actually, that Australia was awarded. It was our sandalwood farm. And it's amazing because not only are they having an incredible environmental impact about the way they're harvesting, because they are, you know, a tree that's, you know, putting carbon rich 
nutrients back in the soil and, and absorbing CO2, of course, which is great. But the indigenous side of things is so beautiful. This has been part of their ancestral knowledge that's passed down. So the way that they're harvesting is, is gorgeous. And I can share more about that. But they were also awarded because they're having such a profound socioeconomic impact on the local Aboriginal community. So it was just an incredible and really moving moment right before I had launched. Um, so, you know, they invited me to join them, which was an incredible honor. And I was so lucky because it was very impactful just a month before we launched our collection in October. I decided there that sandalwood was going to be our signature note into all of our fragrances. It has a very special spiritual connection too that was shared with me that I think is lovely. And even pre-global pandemic days, I think we could all use a little bit of extra mind, body, soul, positive energy. That's one gorgeous, very powerful story. But you know, quickly when I was looking into our citruses that we source. They all kind of have this really special meaning and come from beautiful farms. And we source all of our citrus from a fifth-generation family-owned farm in Calabria, Italy. And they have won a, a lot of European environmental certs for just the way that they're handling water and repurposing the water back into the soil. Um, our vetiver comes from a fair trade cooperative in Haiti, which is, you know, empowering women there. And there's so many gorgeous stories to tell, and, and we're so excited to be telling more of them. It's, it's really important to know that we're, we are going to origin, and that's always been the first goal for me. There's lovely distributors and third-party middlemen that are beautiful to work with, but for me, even as a consumer, when I walk into a clothing shop or a shoe store, I want to know where that materials came from. And I think that I'm probably not the only one, but certainly if I'm going to create a brand as a founder, I want to make sure that I know where everything is from. Right now, we're also really excited because we're pioneering the use of upcycled ingredients. So repurposing these beautiful natural materials and really getting as much as we possibly can from them. And it's really fun and exciting to be playing with these, um, you know, entirely new notes. As we're discussing ingredients here, my knowledge of perfume is very little, to be quite honest. So I feel like I have only purchased perfumes that are quite widely available. And I think you really have to be on a mission to find a perfume that is even independently owned or that is not part of these huge groups of synthetic perfume makers, if I'm right. But with St. Rose, you talk about clean fragrance can you explain to people like myself, um, in general terms, what can make mass-produced fragrances that we find in department stores or in duty-free sections in airports, for example, what makes them unsustainable or perhaps even toxic? What are these negative factors in products that a brand such as St. Rose is actually trying to address? you know, let's call them traditional or conventional perfumes. And there's so many beautiful ones to pick. But what I found back in the early days of starting St. Rose as a consumer is that you'll just see a placeholder for fragrance. And, you know, it'll say alcohol, water, and fragrance. And then it'll list typically um, the allergens. There's 26 allergens that the EU specifies. So any brand that sells in the EU has to list these allergens but not actually the ingredients. And come to find out that, 
you know, fragrance can serve as a placeholder for potentially hundreds of ingredients. And it's there really to protect brands and their intellectual property, but it definitely doesn't, you know, help out the consumer to understand what they're applying to their skin, especially somebody like me. Luckily, I don't have an allergy or anything, but I am just really curious by nature. And so, you know, I I wanted to know, well, we're talking about these beautiful rose notes. Where's the rose from? And we're waking up to the world needing us to be more conscious, but it's really hard to make conscious decisions when we don't have the information to do it. So that's really where I come from. And we're really proud to share our ingredients. We list them all online transparently. I wish we could list them all on the back of our product packaging, but we do let people know. We share all the ingredients and then say, go go online to see the full list. And our definition of clean at St. Rose is it does have to be good for you, good for the earth. And we know that there's a lot of ingredients that have not necessarily been ticked off the list by, you know, here in the U.S. It's the FDA. So they're still available to be used in, in consumer goods products, but we decide not to. And it, it's because there, there has been some concern that they are both bioaccumulative. Certain synthetic musks can accumulate in nature and pose risks to oceanic life, for instance. And there's also some concern that some things could be carcinogenic. And obviously, we don't want to be applying that to our skin. The big heated debate is about total toxic load. So, of course, these ingredients are in safe levels in products, but when you're getting repeated exposure day in and day out, and also as women, we're layering sometimes 11, 12 products before we even leave the door, it's important that even your daily toxic load, you're, you're being considerate about that. And so I basically just say any kind of ingredient of concern, we're just not going to include at all. Our products are over 97% natural and naturally derived. We also use organic sugarcane alcohol as the base. And you know, they're free from BHT, which is a common stabilizer in fragrances. So again, not all synthetics are bad. There's actually a group of synthetic musks that we do use that are completely safe. And there's a lot of beautiful, you know, lab-made molecules that are lovely and safe to work with as well. So definitely don't be fearful that all synthetics are bad. Our positioning is that we love to work with naturals because they're kind of fragrances on their own. They're so rich and provocative and powerful right from Mother Earth. So that's my own personal preference. And then um, I also love how Mother Earth colors these perfumes. And so we don't add any artificial colorants. So if you look at our bottles, they're all are kind of different hue from really light and clear all the way to being really dark. And, and that's just nature doing its own thing. Well, that's really interesting to hear. And thank you so much for clarifying all of those ins and outs of what we put on our bodies. I think whether it's also in cosmetics like creams or shampoo, there's a lot that we need to learn. And unfortunately, we don't know and we do rely on wonderful people like you to create something that is safe to use. You touched on the unique colors of St. Rose just there. Uh, What did you have in mind for the other aesthetic aspects of the brand, like the bottle, the packaging, and then the kind of overarching marketing, social media, and the language around St. Rose? You're clearly someone that's not afraid of information and digging deeper. 
So this was your chance to do this for yourself, to be your own client in a way. I love that question. It's something I don't get asked very often. And it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I think it just, it, it comes from what I'm personally inspired by. And it's really fun to lean into the beautiful images of, of the earth. You know, we say we're rooted in the art of nature and there's also just such powerful imagery right there. I had fun with naming the fragrances and and kind of what I felt like these personalities embodied. And I think they are evocative in the names of a lot of fun imagery. And I also listened to the customer through what was resonating with them. And the thing that's come up the most, you know, I played with using models to help in our storytelling. And because we are clean, it, you know, wanted to get that beautiful on skin storytelling, but it's always the nature images that I think transport people the most and they're so powerful. So we're really leaning in there, which is just boundless inspiration. All I have to do is go take a walk outside and, you know, nature's just inspiring us. And fragrance is so transportive. It's of all the senses, the one that, you know, when you smell something, it immediately goes to the part of the brain that is stored in memory. So I think, you know, when you smell a certain fragrance that makes you think of spring or it makes you think of your grandmother's garden or a beautiful trip to the beach, and then you're rushed with all these other nostalgic senses. And that's really, really fun to play on. So there's a little bit of this nostalgia, slightly kind of aspirational travel and a little bit of yesteryear, you know, a little bit of a film-like persona, because I think that that's where I want to be swept away to. I find that, you know, the project always starts with something I personally want to wear or something that's inspired me or somewhere I've been, but the real journey starts when somebody else falls in love with it. You know, we're in the market to sell these products and have other people fall in love with them and form their own emotional resonance with the scent so much they want to wear it and remember that particular chapter that they're at in their life with it. And that's where the real journey starts. So I try to really invite the customer into our world and let them dream with us. And so that's kind of where I come from with our marketing approach, especially when it comes to the content development is how do I help people dream with us? It's not so much about us or definitely not about me. It's about the end user and creating something that'll bring them confidence or joy or uplifting. There's so many beautiful emotive words that you can throw in that spritzing on your daily perfume creates for us as a boost. It really is a whole sensory experience in that way. I wanted to turn the conversation a little bit here uh, just to ask a more personal question. As a founder of a young independent creative business, how do you go about managing your time and your resources? I am really curious by nature, as we've discussed, which can be a blessing and a curse because I always have the instinct that I personally want to dive in and I want to understand. And that can be really hard when you're the founder and you're wearing so many hats that you can't necessarily keep doing that. You need to trust in others and not like I have trust problems. I love bringing people on that are the experts in their field and I need them. But I do just have this desire to understand it all. There's not, not enough time in the day, especially then as a new mother, when you're trying to juggle 
baby life and, you know, just doing the washing up. <laughs> so I am having to kind of just draw back a little bit there and, and outsource more and relinquish that kind of desire and just have people fill me in rather than doing all the research myself. And of course, I'll never, you know, brand started out of that intense curiosity. So when it comes to like our ingredients and formulations, I think I'll always be digging in further there. But in other regards, you know, Facebook, for instance, I don't need to master that. <laughs> and so, yeah, being able to really identify the important aspects of the business that you can entrust and outsource as soon as you can, I think is a really important start of taking a brand from crawling and that infancy to then growing and starting to run is that you need to know where your time is best spent. And starting out as, as a one-man band, you also need to be really, really good about what activities are going to drive the needle the furthest. There's so many things that are going to pull your attention that you have to focus your time on the things that are going to make the biggest impact and also be sustainable. So the things that are going to sell and get you, you know, success. And sometimes that means that really important things to you have to be put on the back burner. You'd mentioned briefly our product packaging, and that is something I want to continually come back to and perfect and push forward in and be really innovative. And so that's exciting for me because that's been something that I want to work on from day one and come back to that we're going to be slowly, um, you know, continuing to roll out. It's a constant juggle, right? And so every day, every week, it, it shifts and changes. And I think that's what makes it really, really exciting. We have so many new fun projects that we're working on and new launches and new categories. And so, of course, I've had to pull in new experts to come and help guide me. This question for me also stemmed from the impressive amount of quality information on St. Rose's website about your commitment to ethical practices. It's still quite rare to see a sophisticated brand instill an equal amount of energy into aesthetics, but also into responsibility. So I was really impressed by the quality of your partnerships, actually. I think there's so many brands that definitely want to do better and participate in better practices. But for those who've started their business before, I think there's a lot of pain points to unravel and reevaluate right now. I feel like we no longer have the luxury not to be thinking that way. And hopefully more and more brands will catch on. And I think more and more consumers will be looking for it. And so everybody will be kind of forced to, not only in the conscious space, but then also, you know, we were talking before about clean and how there are quite a lot of other brands still not sharing their ingredients. And they've been holding on to the kind of that old school mentality of proprietary security, which I can completely understand. But I think the tide is coming in where more consumers are going to be demanding it and people will be forced to one way or the other. But what I love about artisanal brands and brands that I look out for, they, they are like-minded and we are being really conscious from a very holistic perspective about not just the ingredients and packaging, who we're working with, but then also the giving back and also offering our platform as a vehicle for other people to share their stories. And we're really excited to be partnering more with our uh, indigenous not-for-profit that's actually associated with our sandalwood farm and, and allowing them to share their beautiful stories and art through the St. Rose humble but growing platform, which, you know, is 
it's time for all of us to be living more consciously. And I do think slowly but surely more and more brands are not just greenwashing by saying that they're sustainable, but they're actually being held accountable and also wanting to create change themselves. Well, what a wonderful thought to wrap up on there, Belinda. Thank you for being such an eloquent guest and for really opening our hearts and our minds to what is possible, not just in the world of perfumery, but I think generally in the world of independent business growth. Thank you for listening to this episode of Advanced Copy. We believe in sharing practical information to help create a healthy world of independent fashion. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram to find more pragmatic stories of how to get there. See you next time.